Well, thank you for tuning in to another message from The Lighthouse. Pastor Robert Bax is the senior pastor of Lighthouse Baptist Church and a great teacher and preacher of God's Word. We pray that you find this message practical and helpful for where you are at right now. We're in part seven this morning of Smoke and Mirrors, a study through the book of Ecclesiastes. If you want to get your Bibles open to chapter nine and ten, uh, we're going to run through these chapters this week, and then next week we'll wind up chapter 11 and 12 and hit the tarmac, and hopefully you've understood a little bit more about looking through smoke and mirrors and actually finding some things about the meaning of life and purpose that God has for us in these things. You know, the Bible tells us that people came from all over the world to hear the wisdom of Solomon. They traveled great distances, uh, they heard this man had some great wisdom and they would travel there. And I'm sure as people sat and listened to him speak, uh, maybe some even said, you know, Solomon, you ought to write a book one day about all your wisdom. You ought to put something down in, in writing and put it together. And I imagine uh, what it would be like. And maybe this morning you think about what would it be like to sit at the feet of Solomon and just listen to him espouse wisdom. It just sort of flows out of him as it comes from there. And you'd say, Solomon, tell me something about this aspect of life or this aspect of life. And he would just come out with these wise statements. Well, thankfully, we get an opportunity to sit down and there were some things recorded in the life of Solomon. And we've hit some of the sections now that are very much some of the wise statements of Solomon, some thoughts as he brings them out in this latter part of the book. And today, I want to bring this thought together as you look at what he's saying. He's saying there is, if I could give you a statement, I would tell you just to make the most of your life. Don't, don't waste your life would be a wise thing he wants us to understand. Now, we've probably heard the expression, you know, give it your best shot. Anyone ever heard that expression? Uh, you hear those things, maybe you're the underdog in the game and someone comes up to you and says, well, just give it your best shot, you know, and they're thinking, and maybe it's a word of encouragement because they think you're probably not going to win anyway, but we'll just give it, your, give it your best shot. Or maybe it's your last chance to do something in life and you're, someone sort of prompts you along and says, well, just, you know what, just give it your best shot. Just, just put it all in there, give it everything you've got and go for it. Or maybe you think, you know what, I'm going to start a new venture. And they say, and you're encouraged to say, well, as you start out, just give it your best shot. Just jump in there and give it everything you've got. Give it 110% and jump into those things. Well, Solomon mentions this thought. He says this statement, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do. So let's look at that first word, whatsoever. What does that include? Everything, whatever your hand findeth to do. What does he tell us to do? Do it with half strength. Do it with a little bit of enthusiasm. Do it with thy might. He's telling you, listen, just put everything into it. And that's why I've called this little lesson here this morning on make the most of life. Make the absolute most of life. Now, if you remember last week, we're in chapter eight. In chapter eight, we're looking at some things are beyond us, that they're beyond past, past finding out. We just can't get it all together. And Solomon says, what do you do when you hit those moments and you, you're not going to understand it? You are not going to be able to explain it from there. He says, there are some things in life that will never be solved on this earth under the sun. We're not going to grasp those things from there. And we naturally then move from chapter eight into chapter nine. And he continues with this statement, for all this, in other words, for all that I've just told you, 
that we've discussed about the unsolved and unresolved mysteries of life, he said, I want you to understand something now. I've considered it, I've thought about it in my heart, and I'd want to declare all this to you, that the righteous and the wise and their works, I want to tell you where they are. They are in the hand of God. And if we just settle that, we're not going to understand a lot of things. But I have to remember, God, you are in control. And we could put it this way, you're in good hands. You are in good hands. And this is what he wants you to understand. No man knoweth either love or hatred or by, by all that is before them. He says, look, you don't know whether tomorrow someone's going to love you, tomorrow someone's going to hate you. But what I do know is this, I'm in God's hands. God has it all in control. And isn't it a wonderful thing to know? that everything is in the hand of God. Isn't, doesn't that give you some sort of peace, some sort of comfort to realize, you know what, I don't get it all, but I know this, everything is in the hand of God and the Lord is still on his throne. The reins of the universe have never left the hands of God. He's still in control. Uh, his hands are safe hands, secure hands. And in view of that, what is he about to tell us now as he launches into the last part of his sermon? He's coming to the wind up of his sermon and and he wants to get us to grab hold of this thought of just make the most of every opportunity of life. Grab hold of life with an absolute gusto and just give it everything you've got. So how do we make the most of life? And I want to give you five statements here this morning. Here's the first one. Acknowledge while there is life, there is hope. This morning, all of our songs that we worship the Lord with and sung to him were all about hope, about the hope that we have in Christ. He's our living hope, that he is the one who we look to in what we are doing in life. And so he begins this chapter telling us that, listen, you're in God's hands and I want you to grasp hold of this truth. And he begins and says this, all things come alike to all. He said, there is, there is one event to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and to the clean. He's sort of contrasting people uh, to the unclean, to, to him that sacrificeth and to him that sacrificeth not, to the religious, the unreligious. As to the good, so is, to, so is the sinner. He's saying, look, whether you're good, bad, ugly, indifferent, doesn't matter. He that, he that sweareth as he that feareth an oath, those people who say, you know what, I don't care, and those people who say, I really, I really believe what I'm going to be swearing on here. He said, there is an evil among all things that are done under the sun. I want to tell you what it is. There's one event that happens to everyone. Yea, also the heart of the sons of men is, is full of evil and madness is in their heart while they live. doesn't matter if someone lives foolish and wild and whatever. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. After everything, they go to the dead. Oh, good. That's a nice, another one of, one of Solomon's great encouraging words. He's telling us, listen, we are all going to die. Now, now right now, I, I done a little quick Google search on the World Omen, World Omen Meter, I think they call it, and just flies along with all the things that are happening. Uh, there are 250 babies born every minute in this world. So by the time I finish this sermon, 10,000 more babies are born into this world. Hopefully not yours right yet, Shani. But there will be babies born into this world in, in this thing. And then in this, so there's 360,000 people born every day. And there's 150,000 people who die every day. And, and this is where we live. And Solomon says, I want you to grasp hold of this. So, uh, you know, death is real. 
It's going to happen to everyone. You ever wonder why they sell life insurance, not death insurance? I mean, really, it's death insurance, but it doesn't really sell too well, does it? Like, would you like to buy some death insurance? It doesn't go too well from there. And we use a lot of euphemisms to sort of, instead of saying dead, we might say they, they passed away, uh, they've gone to a better place, or in less guarded moments, we might say they kicked the bucket, they bit the dust, he croaked it, whatever we want to say, we put it that way. Well, Solomon just tackles it head on and says they go to the dead. And he's contemplating, he's thinking through this, and he's saying, you know, the wicked and the righteous are neighbours in the cemetery. They're, that's where they are. And the one event is, is, happens to everyone, which helps us again bring everything back into perspective. And he's going to launch into a little thought here. He's going to say, because of that, you, you can't do anything after you're dead. So the only time you can do anything is when you are alive. And he brings in this little thought, which is quite an interesting little tagline. He says, for him that is joined to all the living, there is what? Hope. He said, this is where hope is. Then he makes this little strange little proverbial statement. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they shall die, but the dead, they don't anything. Neither have they any more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love and their hatred and their envy now perished it's finished time's done for that neither have they any more portion forever in anything that is done under the sun now he's not referring to eternity he's referring to their earthly existence once a person is dead that's it they're finished there's nothing more they can do he said the only chance you have of doing anything is when you are alive now he makes this little statement a living dog is better than a dead lion and this is how he describes life this is how he gets hold of this thing and he's not saying that you're dogs he's not calling us dogs he's simply saying that any thread of life is better than death in other words we might say it this way present opportunities are greater than past ones now now i brought my illustration along here today uh, and so you can understand that that's our dog jack and so i thought We'd bring Jack along to get you to meet Jack. So Jack, come up here, buddy. He's a little bit, whoa, here he comes. Here he is, here's Jack. This is our little Jack. Now, now Jack is an unusual dog. Just bring him, stay up here, Gracie. Uh, just, now Jack is a interesting little dog because he, he, he thinks he's um, bigger than he is. Because anything that walks by our fence he's against it and he's he's protective he's right up there barking going crazy and annoys the neighbors uh, night and day because he honestly believes he can tackle anything in life this is jack now I'm, I'm not sure what happens when the doberman pincer jumps the fence i'm not sure how it's going to work from there but he does that now he's a little bit messy he gets a little bit uh you get messy mate what do you think of everyone good and he just, uh, he just goes along in life and, and, he, and sometimes, sometimes he gets a little bit uh, annoying. <laughs> what do you think? No, you're not going to mark that territory. <laughs> and, and this is what he's like, but he, he's a cute dog. He's a lovable dog. Anyone who comes to our house, he gets in the, he's in there and he just jumps all over them and he's just there. He's always hungry. <laughs> I like that about him. We have something in common, like we just, we just love it. But this is, this is Jack, but, 
Now, now compare Jack to a lion. I mean, you think of a lion and you think of regal, stately, king of the beast, or Jack. <laughs> uh, and now, if you, not that I believe in reincarnation, but if you thought, if I could be anything, if I had to choose an animal, am I going to choose to be a lion or a dog? Now, by the way, when he spoke about a dog in the Bible times, he wasn't talking about a human a pet. He was talking about a mangy, lean, ugly, mongrel dog. That's what he was talking about. I mean, Jack's pretty cute. He's not a mongrel dog. He's a pretty decent dog. But would you think, Jack, what do you think, buddy? Who are you eyeing off? So, so Jack comes along and sometimes he's somewhat obedient. Uh, he visits our school often <laughs> because he escapes. And he just loves to be around other people. And he, what do you think, mate? So he's a, he's a cute little dog, but here is what the beauty of him is. He's alive. And now he, he goes, oh, you want to take him out and give Jack a hand as he walks back out. Here you go, mate. Well done, Jack. See you, buddy. Well done. Good on you, Jack. See you, bud. Yeah, don't mark that leg. That's okay. Well done. Thank you, Gracie. But when you think about, like, this, this is what he's simply telling you. Look, yeah, okay, he's not, as, he's not as grandiose as a lion. But you know what? If the lion's dead, a living dog is far better than a dead lion. And sometimes we can get sort of caught up in saying, well, because you know, which one's more useful, the dead lion or the living dog? Obviously, the living dog. He's simply saying... And we might say, well, I can't do much, I can't do, I can't do what so-and-so can do, I don't have many gifts, I don't have many talents, I don't have these things. And he's simply saying, listen, while you've got life, there's hope, and, and just be a living dog. It may not be a, grand, a great line. Yesterday, uh, I went and watched uh, Tim's uh, first, uh, where's Tim, is he here today? Somewhere around, but I went and watched his, he's probably injured, I went and watched his first <laughs> AFL game, and a uh, guy was there, and, and a couple of guys, and we're sitting there, and and his wife, Sarah, and Jenny and I were there, and I said, this bring back memories when I was a young, young guy and fit and taught like I am now. And uh, <laughs> I said, you know, I used to be out there playing AFL, and I looked across there, and guy said, I said, guy, and I asked him, I said, oh, that's the age of the oldest bloke out there. And he pointed some fella out and said, I think he's like 50. And I'm thinking, hmm. <laughs> and he said, training's next Tuesday, and I... But, but here's what I understand, that, that AFL era of my life is a dead lion and, and right now I'm just a living dog, I haven't got nothing to be able to give it anything. But, but I went, I thought, you know what, I'll, while I'm a living dog, I'll go talk to my son and encourage him and cheer him on and do what I can as a living dog while he's a lion and doing what he can do, well he's actually a bull because he's glad more bulls but... Uh, that, that's the thing. The idea is, listen, just whatever present opportunity you have, use it. No, don't, don't worry about what's happened in the past. You know, some of the smallest abilities and talents and gifts uh, that can be used for God, sometimes just remain idle. Because people think, oh, I really can't do much. Listen, it doesn't matter if you, you, you might think, well, someone's like a, their, their abilities or what they do is, seems to be like a great lion. It doesn't matter. Just do what you can with what you have, when you have. Don't live on the if only, should have been, I wish. They're dead. 
And sometimes, yeah, look, our church is where we are in this world and we may look around the world and think there are greater places. Well, listen, we're not that and we're who we are. Just enjoy being a living dog. That's what I think about. I think that's all Solomon's saying. While there's life, there's hope. And jump into it, give it your gusto from there and go from it. Second point is aim to enjoy life that God has given you. Aim to enjoy the life God has given you. Great wisdom here from this guy. Death's inevitable, but, but still enjoy it. We're not going to escape death unless it's through the rapture and God brings us out of here and that'll be tremendous. But there's no reason to give up on life. He's saying while you're living, uh, don't take the victimized attitude toward life and approach life passively. You'll lose out. Here's what he tells us. A few things. Ready? He tells us to enjoy the mundane. I love this one. Go thy way, he tells us. Eat thy bread with joy. Now, he's going to tell you about eating and drinking. Now, I enjoy eating and drinking. How many enjoy eating and drinking? A few of you. But, you know, there's a lot of other great activities in life, and sometimes it gets a little bit mundane, the same food and different things, and you try to spice it up a little bit. I added a bit of chicken to my lettuce this week and uh, (laughs) uh, tried to make a little bit different. But (laughs) go thy way, eat thy bread, and I I love this little part, with joy! And drink thy wine with a merry heart. For God now accepteth thy works. He's happy. God, God wants you to do this. And he's saying, but it's just eating and drinking. Do it with an absolute gusto. Enjoy the mundane. And Solomon advocates intentionality in, in finding pleasure in the simple things of life. Just looking at those things. Happy people find joy in routine and mundane. They just say, you know what, isn't it great we can do this? We just get to do this and I get to go and do these things at work. I get to do this at home. I get to mow the lawn again. <laughs> but <laughs> enjoy it. Listen, there are some people, I'll tell you what, uh, when I was a young kid, I, I had these, I, I still get it, I get eczema, I had it my whole life, but my mum took me along to this doctor and tortured me and done all these little slits on my arm and then I had to have these injections and I wasn't allowed to go near grass for, for a couple of years it might have been, and all I ever wanted to do was to mow the grass. And someone else would get out and mow the grass, and I'd be sitting there thinking, I wish I could mow the grass. And I could never mow the grass, and then when I eventually got the chance to mow the grass, I kind of thinking, well, I wish I never asked to mow the grass. But, <laughs> but he's, saying, he's saying, look, whatever you do, just jump into it. Joyful people just enjoy the daily grind of life, not always waiting for some party excitement. This is, this is life. Just jump in and enjoy it. And then next thing, enjoy the moment. I love this little phrase, and this little bit takes a bit of explanation. Let thy garments be always, always white. What does he mean by that? White in that day was celebration. It was your festive dress. And you would go out to your festival for your feast, for your, for your party. And he said, let thy head lack no ointment. Now, we would say it this way. Put your deodorant on put it on lavishly, put your perfume on, put your cologne on, splash it around. He said, just get yourself ready for a party every single day. What's he telling you? Seize every moment. Seize every moment and say, let's jump into these things and, and use those things. Jump in around. Use that beautiful rose sculptured candle that you've shoved away in storage and it's melting in the garage or somewhere. Bring it out, put it alight and use it. Enjoy the moment. 
Do those things from there. Invite people around even though you haven't cleaned the house up yet and it's not absolutely perfect. He's saying, jump in, just be ready, always lack no ointment from there. And then enjoy your marriage. Look at this one. If you're married, live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy life. My wife and I tried to polka down the hallway this morning. It was a little bit difficult, but we did the best we could. And uh, we saw someone doing the polka and we said, let's try it. Let's try to do the polka. Well, we, we did our best and um, we, we sort of got down. Live joyfully. But I love how he says this. Look at this. Live joyfully with thy wife whom thou lovest all the days, <laughs> look at this, of the life of thy vanity. I sort of didn't highlight that part because it didn't sound too good, but here is what he's really saying. Just live joyfully with your wife all these meaningless days of life. I mean, listen, it's the best thing you got. Just go for it. Just take the best you got. And he goes on, he said, which I've given thee under the sun all the days of this meaningless existence, for that is, that is thy portion in this life and in thy labor which thou takest under the sun. He's saying, well, listen, this is your reward, You've, this is what you have, and this is your lot in life, and just live joyfully. Just enjoy the moments from there as you have it. Don't endure it, enjoy it. Let's say that together, ready? Don't endure it, enjoy it. Now turn to your spouse and say that, ready? If you have a spouse here, don't endure it, enjoy it. Now, some of you didn't turn to your stomach, some of you didn't say nothing. I mean, you're in trouble when you get home, I can tell you that now. So God doesn't want to just, he wants you to get through these things, ready? Then enjoy with all your might. And again, this is this text, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with what? Thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where thou goest. You're just not going to get to any other chance to do it. Go the second mile, don't just exist, make the most of life, whatever you're doing, Give it your best shot. That's what he's telling you. Give it your best shot from there. No life prepare, don't, don't live life preparing for regrets. Terrible place to do. Just jump in and do it. Only one life, so soon it will pass. Only what's done for Christ will last. Jump in and give it your best shot. Then act upon the unexpected opportunities in life. Act upon these things. Look, we, we all know it seems like at times life isn't fair. This is what Solomon would come up with in his little viewpoint. And there's the potential for the wild card and the card that may be handed out to you at times. And, and he tells us this little thought here and he returns. He said, I returned. In other words, had a little bit of an interval, came back and considered everything. And I saw under the sun, again, he's looking under the sun, looking at earth, that the race is not to the swift. Fastest guy doesn't always win the race. Nor the battle to the strong. Strongest man doesn't always win. Neither, neither yet bread to the wise, nor riches to the men of understanding, nor yet favour to the men of skill. But he says this, but time and chance, time and chance happeneth to them all. Happeneth to them all. I mean, you think sometimes how many athletes should have won the race, but just before they're about to start, they snap their Achilles tendon or something happens, and, or they're running and they trip or what takes place. One of the greatest achievements in Australian sport was Stephen Bradbury greatest achievement. He won the gold medal in that 100 meter, uh, 1000 meter short track speed skate because everyone else fell over. <laughs> he, he was so far behind. Time and chance happened to us all. I love how he's going across the, across, the, across the finish line like he's done an incredible job. Look at me. Look at me. Everyone's falling over in the background. But you know, it could have been strategy. Who knows? Stay way back, let them all fall over and then zip by him at the end. Who knows what he did from there? But he, he did that. 
just listen, he's telling us, look for the God-given opportunities of life, seize them, and recognize just because you have an ability, it doesn't guarantee success. Time and chance happens in those things, and our abilities are no guarantee for success. Uh, Asher Hell was uh, uh, one of Joab's brothers. He was very, very fast, very, very swift, but Abner, Abner was an older bloke, slower, but guess who won the race? Abner won the race when he shoved his spear in the ground on the, on the halt end and it jumped back up and shoved in the back, in Asherhel's guts. And you say, what? Read, read the Bible. It's an incredible book. It's got a lot of stuff in it. Goliath was much bigger and stronger. But who won? The battle isn't always for the strong. Different things take place. And, and you might say, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time and I got the job. Ability had very, very little to do with it. It just happened to be there. And there's a principle. Sometimes God will put you in a place and time and chance happens from our perspective under the sun, time and chance. This this is, but remember, go back to the first thing. It's in God's hands. It's in God's hands. He goes on again and he says in verse 12, for no man knoweth not his for, for man also knoweth not his time. He said, just like a fish is caught, just like a bird is caught, they don't know they're gonna get caught. He says, sometimes we're caught in sometimes bad circumstances and it falls suddenly. And things happen in life. Time and chance happens. Uh, how many of you enjoyed the Rocky movies? You know, Rocky 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 15, you know. Uh, Rocky Marciani, I mean, this is this guy. They actually done a computerized thing on this, on this uh, boxer and they put him up against Muhammad Ali in a computerized thing and said he would have beaten Muhammad, Muhammad Ali every time. I mean, they said this guy was an amazing, amazing athlete in his boxing skills, but time and chance happened to him. At 45 years of age, flying a plane, boom, down. Well, why, why did that happen? Time of chance. Sometimes fall suddenly. Carl Wallender has been, been doing tightrope walking since he was 10 years of age. Niagara Falls, sports fields, doing all sorts of stuff and doing everything in life. And uh, he, he strung a, a 300 uh, foot wire above uh, some hotels in Puerto Rico. And he's been walking his whole life. And as he's walking across, I actually watched the video of it, and it's not really pleasant, but you, two gusts of wind came, time and chance. Two gusts of wind at the same time. He knelt down on the wire waiting for it to stop swaying. This guy's been walking tight ropes for, since he was 10, and he fell to his death, landed on a taxi and bounced onto the cement. Time and chance, fall suddenly. Because so what God's saying, listen, when, it, when something is there, seize it. Seize those moments. Esther did. Esther came in before the king and, and Mordecai had said to her, her uncle, Uncle Mord said, listen, you know what could happen? For, you could be right here at the kingdom for such a time as this. Seize it. And she did. And that was a faith step. But she went in and, and the rest is history for the Jewish people. She saved a nation. She saved a nation from there and so much prophetical stuff in involved with that as well. Uh, Dave Hafner does a lot of things on Esther and quite interesting listen to some things he has to say and he's dug a lot into on the book of Esther. Amazing, amazing things and it's all about a lady who said, I'm just going to seize that time. I'm going to jump in and seize that time from there because what we're simply saying is the opportunity in the present, present is far better than any greater accomplishment of the past. They're finished, they're done. The smallest faculties that are used right now are far greater than the greatest faculties that are unemployed. You could have the greatest intellect and you're not using it, and someone has the smallest intellect and they're using it, far better. 
He's saying jump in and use these things. I, I saw a sign one time and it said, opportunity knocked, but you weren't home. Or opportunity knocked, and there was all these slogans, but you were asleep. What he says, when there's an opportunity, jump in. Grab it from there. The, last, the next thing is this, appreciate the, wisdom, the value of wisdom. There's a little short thing here, you can study more of it in your life group this week. But, but he, he sort of comes back and makes a little, uh, his little lesson and observation. He said, this wisdom have I also seen under the sun. It seemed great under me. There was a little city, a few men within it. And there came a great king against it and besieged it and built great bulwarks against it. I heard the word bulwark recently in the, uh, by Justice Peter Kidd when he was sentencing uh, Cardinal Pell and he spoke about the courts, who, the courts stand as a bulwark against such irresponsible behaviour. And I thought there's a good word, the old bulwark. It's a defensive wall, a big strong fortress. So he says, you can imagine this king just come and stood against it. Now there was found in it, in this little city, a poor, notice the word, wise man. And by his wisdom, delivered the city. And then he goes on and says, yet no man remembered that same poor man. Then said I, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. Even though he was a wise guy, people didn't pay much attention to him because he, wasn't, he was a nobody, but his wisdom actually delivered the city. The words of a wise man are heard often in quiet more than the city of him that ruleth among fools. So sometimes that words of a wise, you've got to sit and listen very quietly, you could miss it. Wisdom is better than the weapon of war, but one sinner destroyeth much good. There's a great illustration, because he's simply telling us here that sometimes in life, your wisdom uh, and the wisdom around us, you can miss it. You can miss it because we're looking for the bigger things, looking for the, the, the noble, looking for the great. And he says, you know, sometimes there's, uh, the, wep, the wisdom can be in little small areas and can be un, unassuming people could have some incredible great wisdom to give you. God could use them in different ways from there. There's a story in, in the Bible in Second Samuel about a woman who was in uh, Abel Beth Mayak, uh, uh, Makar, and she was... Uh, referred to as a wise woman using her wisdom. That little head down the bottom is a head they found recently in an archaeological dig. This is just north of the Sea of Galilee. And what had happened, if you ever read that story, you can read it during your life groups. Uh, Sheba was a man who was an insurgent against the kingdom of David, racing, tried to get a whole following against him. Well, Joab, the general of David's army, came out against him and the guy ran into this little city. Well, there, all of a sudden, David's army's around ready to crush this city. And this, the Bible says this wise woman called out to Joab and said, what are you doing? Why are you coming against us? What, what are you doing that for? And he turns around and said, well, there's a guy coming into your city and he's against David. And he's this and said, well, we're not against David. And then she says, let me go talk to everybody. And it goes on and says, then the woman went unto all the people in her wisdom. And they cut off the head of Sheba, the son of Berkey, and cast it over the, over, out to Joab. And he blew a trumpet and they retired from the city, every man to his tent. And I think, man, that's an incredible wisdom. That woman just walks in there and says, are you Sheba? Yeah. Good, come here for a second. We want to talk to you. I don't know what she did, but with her wisdom, she was able to cut the guy's head off and throw it over the city and deliver the entire city. Threw it over the wall. And I reckon as his head pondled out, Joab went, yep, that's him. All right, boys, let's go. Now, that's, that's a wise woman, probably not someone you want as your wife, but uh, uh, she delivered. She used her wisdom, whatever it was she did. 
Yeah, that's him, boys. Job done. And you say, well, what, what was the whole story about? Same as that little man. It wasn't about education that delivered the city. It wasn't about strength. It wasn't about beauty. It wasn't about status. It was about wisdom. And if you have a to-do list, put wisdom at the top. Just say, you know what? I've got to ask God for wisdom today. I, I need wisdom. Value wisdom. Value wisdom. And let me jump into chapter 10 really quickly, and I'm going to knock this one out here for you. I want you to, he says, assess the contrasts and be wise. Let me run through this pretty quick here. He does a, a contrasting back and forth between fools and wisdom and, and back and forth and sometimes compares them. But he tells us a few things here, some short nuggets in this chapter. Assess the contrasts. Choose to be wise rather than foolish. Learn from the fool on what you ought not to do is what he's telling you from here. And he starts off and said, dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savour. So, here is, a, here is, a, here is a, an example here, so doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honour. A wise man's heart's his right hand, a fool's his left hand, doesn't know what he's doing. He goes on and speaks about the fool from here. He said, what, what's he telling you? He's telling us that you and I need to be wise in the little things of life, because sometimes it could be a little, like a, he gives the illustration of a dead fly, like the fly in the ointment, spoils everything. It's just a fly. But it's that little, sometimes that little bit of foolishness just ruins everything. And you've been working so hard to do things good, and next thing you do something stupid, and it just sort of sours the whole moment and he said those that the the apothecary would work so hard and carefully and to build that ointment and, and build his craft and his perfume and then all of a sudden the fly goes in it oh, after all that effort and I ruined it and sometimes you put a whole lot of work into trying to do right and do these things and the next thing you do is make a stupid choice and it just what did I do that for and he said that's that's not wise he said, contrast that. It's, don't be a fly in the ointment. Then he goes on and talks about be wise in leadership roles. I'm not going to read the whole text, but he, he speaks about people who are proud leaders. And then he talks about blessed leaders and some great leadership lessons in that passage there. You might want to study it out about not being pliable, but, but being, being uh, wise in your decisions in leadership. Blessed is the country, blessed is the church, blessed is the business, blessed is the place that has wise leaders is what he wants you to understand. Then he says, be wise in your labours. And he gives us a workplace health and safety lesson here in, in about five different issues. And he talks about five different numbskulls who, who do things stupidly. And he said, he talks about this guy who digs a pit is going to fall into it. He, he said, I mean, who does that? I mean, this guy, he said, a wise person is somebody who doesn't dig a pit and then forgets about it and falls into himself. Similarly, some people try to lay a trap for somebody else or make them look bad and try to embarrass them and they'll end up the person who's injured and embarrassed themselves. Their fool digs his own grave is what he's saying. And he said, and also people who break and hedge, a serpent shall bite him. The second guy breaks down protection that he should never have broken down. And snakes live in these little holes and that and he breaks the things down and a serpent bites him. The lesson is this, learn to stay within the boundaries of life. Wisdom says there are boundaries, don't break the boundaries. You're going to break the hedge, you're going to end up in a mess, you're going to get bit and, and you try to take advantage of a person or use them and you break through an obstruction, you are the one who will get bit in the end. Or whoso removeth the stones shall be hurt 
therewith and he talks about somebody who pulls down a big stone upon himself thinking he was going to crush somebody else. You try to do something against another person and you try to abuse that person or take from that person or take advantage from that person. Let me tell you, poetic justice is what he said happens. He said, wisdom says, don't do that. Then the fourth incident is the guy who doesn't take care of his equipment and he that cleaveth cuts this wood and splits the wood shall be endangered thereby. He said, this guy here is simply neglecting his possessions, trashing his possessions and he's going to end up in a mess. He said, but if the iron be blunt and he don't wet the edge, in other words, he hadn't sharpened his tools, he's got to work harder than smarter, he's got to put to more strength, but guess what's going to be the best thing? Wisdom is what? Profitable. He said, think about working wisely. Don't, don't take shortcuts. Don't try to abuse other people. Don't, don't misuse your equipment. Don't deal with things in a wrong way and try to twist things. He said, watch out for that. And then lastly, he tells us to be wise with our language. Whether you're texting, posting, speaking, whatever you're doing, just be very wise. Think about what you're doing with your language. If you know a wise person, you know when that person speaks because their words are worth hearing, their words are worth heeding. And, and then sometimes if you hear a, a foolish person speak, you, you detect it very quickly through what they've said in their tongue. I mean, someone once said, let people think you're a fool rather than open your mouth and remove all doubt. But I mean, uh, he's telling us there are some foolish ways we can speak. One of them is with an untamed tongue. Surely the serpent will bite without enchantment and a babbler is no better. Their words just come back and bite them because they're just talking too much. They're babbling, 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 babbling. And babblers always have an answer, always have an opinion and, and they just come through and speak things. The untamed tongue, then the unkind tongue. An unkind tongue isn't wise. The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious. Jesus, when they, when they heard him speak, they said, he just spoke with gracious words gracious words he said let, let, speak with grace season it with salt but the lips of a fool will swallow him up he said it's just their, their ill-chosen words are very very damaging he said be careful with with kindness coming out of your tongue careful with kindness coming out of your texts be out of your things be careful don't, don't use an unkind tongue an unwise tongue the beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness and the, end, and the end of his talk is mischievous madness. I mean, what a description. A fool is also full of words. A man cannot tell what shall be, what shall be and what shall be after him. Who can tell him? I mean, no one's going to tell this person. Some people are just enamored by the sound of their own voice. They're full of words. They can talk under wet cement. Uh, who can tell him? They won't even stop for a breath. They just keep going and going and going. You ever talk to someone on the phone and the only words you can get out is, uh-huh, 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 because they just won't even let you speak? Uh, this, this is what's happening. I mean, people su suffer from harm. They suffer from hit and run mouth. You know, they kind of just, this thing's just boom, 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 going from there. There was a gravestone one time and it said, beneath this stone, a lump of clay, lies Arabella Young, who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue. I mean, you know, I think... <laughs> The unwise tongue. Then there is the unreasonable tongue. The labor of the foolish weareth every one of them because he knoweth not how to go to the city. I mean, this guy is telling everyone what to do, what road he's got to do. But he hasn't got a clue himself. And it's just, this guy is like, a, like a, a lost goose in a snowstorm. He has no idea and he, he doesn't have a clue. Just unreasonable, speaking out things. And then there's the unfaithful tongue. 
A feast is made for laughter and wine maketh merry, but money answereth all things. That's what some people think. If I got money, I can answer every, everything in life. Curse not the king, no, not in thy thought. Curse not, in, not the rich in thy bedchamber. For a bird of the air shall carry the voice. And that which had wings shall tell the matter. How did you hear about that? Ah, a little birdie told me. Well, I really didn't mean it that way. A little birdie told me. Just got out. And some people make a blunder with their mouth when they're drunk. A feast is made for laughter and wine maketh merry. And they think, you know what, I can sort it out. I can, I can figure it out. They think maybe I can buy it off. Money will answer it all. Well, we've seen the folly of that recently. Money doesn't answer it all. Fools make all sorts of promises they don't follow them through with. And wisdom says, just guard your tongue. Because our words will be as forceful as they are gracious. Jesus spoke and they just said, man, he was so gracious. Yet he was incredibly forceful. He he had power with his words. And I think the, the conclusion of this thing is a whole lot of stuff on making the most of life in these chapters and take time to read through them but really I think what he's telling us is every one of us have got a priceless gift it's called life and while there is living there is hope and I hope you sort of next time you see a dog you sort of go hmm, you know what I'm still breathing still got a pulse yeah, the heart's still kind of, yeah, boom. Still beating. And while there's living, there's hope. And what I ought to do right now is just capture the moment. Now, here is one of the great things. If you've never, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your saviour, Paul said this, today, now is the day of your salvation. Why put that off? I mean, that's just a silly thing to do. You, you ought to just, while you can, because sometimes time and chance can happen. And you may not, you may think, oh, I'll, be, I'll, get, I'll become a Christian some other time. I'll get, no, no, no. When you have opportunity, seize it. Seize it. And grab hold of those things. Now is the day of salvation. And the most insignificant day is better than the 500 yesterdays. Because it's now. It's in the moment. Make the most of life. Before you, before you quit, before you throw in the towel, don't, don't, like, don't live like a fool and let a dead fly ruin it. He said, just have a bit of wisdom. Look for wisdom in, in, in what you do, in how you live and how you speak and say, God, let me be wise. And if you don't have wisdom, James says, just ask of God. Put it on the top of your checklist. I need wisdom. Let's bow our heads for prayer. While there is life, there is absolute hope. While there's life, there's absolute hope. Around the auditorium today, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Our worship team's coming to sing and lead us out. Our kids will be breaking very shortly. And our service host will come up to close us out. I think it would be a great opportunity for us to put to pause. Music's going to start playing. And think about this thought. You might want to pray something like this today. You might want to say, God, I know at times I've, I've been foolish. And I just ask, you help me avoid foolish decisions. You help me avoid foolish moments. 
help me avoid foolish choices and in place God help me make wise choices and God I ask you'd grant me wisdom and appreciate the now and recognize that while there's life you've given me hope and I thank you for this in Jesus name Amen.